You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy hump day, everybody, and welcome back to the show. As always, we have another kick-ass podcast today. Today's guest... Uh, he is just like the rest of us. He is a whitetail freak. He loves everything about the animal. Very passionate. And he is a public ground pounder. He's a grinder. Uh, he's that guy who goes out, spends his life locating these deer, and uh, and then he attacks. Uh, he's a family man as well. And uh, I got a lot in common with this guy. Um our good buddy and returning guest, Lucas Psycho, is on the show today. And uh, this podcast, man, we're just going to BS for a little bit about, uh, I don't know, man, just kids. We talk about kids straight up. You know, that's uh, a big part of my life, a big part of his life. We don't get go to too terribly much detail, but we do have a kid conversation. And uh, then we get into the whitetails, man, and we break down how he is going to approach this season, how he gathers intel through trail cameras, and uh, how he puts together a plan of attack to uh, chase down some of these uh, deer that he has identified during the summer. So uh, it's just another badass podcast. Uh, I know if you're diehard like myself, you are going to enjoy it uh, because Lucas is the man, straight up. Now, You've heard me talk a lot about Deer Lab in the past, and now is the time to take advantage of the Deer Lab 30-day free trial period, and here's the reason why. You get all your old trail camera pictures, you put them into Deer Lab right now, and then for the next 30 days, you can upload and track deer movement based off trail camera pictures and trail camera locations and what that ultimately does is help you forecast deer movement on the properties that you hunt and even identify specific deer to go after and you know if this buck showed up last year on let's say October 28th 
there might be a good chance he shows up at the same location this year on October 28th. So uh, take a look at Deer Lab. I'm telling you, it is some very useful software, some very useful information. And uh, now that the season is here, I find myself going to Deer Lab and checking in on a, you know, I'd say every other day basis. So when I know I'm going to hunt this weekend, I can go in, check it out, check out the locations where I've had trail camera pictures this time of year um, of maybe some hitless bucks and then go identify those tree stand locations and then go hunt them. And hopefully I run into some of those animals, but uh, go check out deer lab and uh, get that free 30 day period. So what you are trial period and you need to go to DeerLab.com slash nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers. DeerLab.com slash nine fingers. And sign up for a free 30-day trial period. It's definitely worth it. Enough BS. Let's get into today's podcast with Lucas Psycho. All right. On the phone with me today... All the way from North Dakota is a public land ground pounder himself, Lucas Psycho. How you doing, bud? <laughs> doing, doing good, buddy. Doing good. Glad to be on the freaking phone with you again. Yeah. When was the last time we talked? Well, I mean, besides a little text here and there, yeah. but um, last fall, I think, dude. Last fall, maybe. Yeah. Man, yeah, we need, I think we need... it was, yep. I think right now we need to catch up. Yeah, 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 no doubt, no doubt. You've had like 17 more kids catching up to me. And... <laughs> Wait, you got you got three or four? I got three, yep, yep. Three. Are, are three. you done? Yeah, yeah, man. We uh, we popped out the, the last little little rat. He was finally popped out the boy, so I called it quits right there. So are you getting the old snipper Rooney? Nope, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta hand it to the old wifey. She took care uh, of it. Yeah, she she took care of it. Uh, I was I was a big sissy, and I'm I'm proud, not proud of it. <laughs> I guess I'm not gonna say I'm proud of that, but I was like, yeah, nope, no, nobody's touching this guy. Nobody's touching these, you know what? Uh, well, even I though my brother what. tried to convince me, my brother tried to convince me that it's not a big deal. And yeah. So even though even that was not enough, I was like, nah, nah, right, nah. Right. <laughs> I've had a lot of guys tell me that they go in for the vasectomy somewhere around March Madness time, and then they just sit on they sit on <laughs> the couch with a bag of ice, watch basketball all day, and then order uh, pizza. That's not a bad plan, really. Right. I mean, you got those sick days to use at work, you know. Right. I don't know. I know there's, you know, if there's anybody like me, you don't really use sick, sick days. You just... <laughs> You know, you wake up sick, you're just like, ugh, gotta go through this, whatever, yeah, go. Yeah. And then sick days are for hunting. It. Yeah, sick days are for <laughs> hunting and, and uh, yeah, just anything else you can come up with, I guess, that's probably so, not what they're supposed to be used for. That's right. So how is the family? How old are your kids? Eight. Oh, you put me on the spot here, Dallas. How dare you? <laughs> nope. So my youngest is three. Okay. Eight. And five. Three, eight, and five. Okay. Yep. Um, and your oldest is a girl? 
Yep. Okay, now I got a question for you from a dad to a dad. And, you know, for the listeners here, fast forward just a little bit if you want to get right into the hunting. But I like to, I, I'm actually literally catching up with Lucas while we record this podcast. But I want to talk about your your daughter. My daughter is four, and she is a sassy son of a gun where, like, <laughs> questions everything says no to me on a daily basis bluntly like you know i've never seen something so small and precious be unafraid of 250 pounds of pissed off dad she will sit there and stand her ground and not whimper one bit when i'm coming down on her (laughs) yeah i I totally hear you man i totally hear you i'm not a i'm not 250 pounds of of a manly beard beardedness i'm more of like a like a 13-year-old looking uh, hipster, 200-pounder. <laughs> uh, 200, 200 <laughs> so so I'm not quite as scary, dude. They, they're probably just, you know, reacting to what they see with me. Right. right. So is your, uh, is your daughter get sassy at all? I mean, does did she go through that spurt? Did she come out of it? Or is it just, hey, man, you got a yeah. girl and you're screwed the rest of your life? Really, it's, it's kind of – she's been a sweetheart. Up and you know she's still a sweetheart right now, but it's yeah the sass is coming on. Oh, she's boy. starting to she's starting to get that you know that you know she's going to school and all that stuff and her friends you know and you know they have their little their little clicks you know and yep. it's just it's it's begun man it's begun yeah. and yeah she's getting that sass and you know you try to you try to do the best you can and trying to you know guide them but right. sometimes you just. Just wanna, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to put them in a closet with a chastity belt and just yeah, you're like, like, oh, okay. Come oh. when you're thirty. Yeah, here's the fun room. That's right. Here it is. Stay, stay. <laughs> Count my shirts. <laughs> well, yeah, dude, yeah, dude. It's uh, it's hunting season. It is, man. It is. It's in full force. And when when did North North Dakota start? The the first the first September, okay. so yeah, so exactly yeah about exactly exactly a month before most people right you know? right so I want to I want to get into uh, a little bit but before we get into the the whitetail world um, mm-hmm. you are right after this podcast you're heading to go on an elk hunt well I had to cancel that why uh, I was going to go down south. Uh, down by Mendora, North Dakota. It's about an hour and 45-minute drive, probably. And uh, <clears throat> it just started dumping rain again. We've been getting a lot of rain up here. I'm not complaining about that at all, but but uh, it seems like it lands on my days off from work. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know about everybody else. I mean, it seems like everybody loves the rain when it comes to hunting and deer hunting in general. But I just can't have – I just don't have a worth of shit for luck with the rain, man. Whether it's, you know, coming into it or leave, uh, coming out of it, it's, it's almost like there's a, a, a day before and a day after a good rain that there, it, there's a buffer space where you're like, eh, you're probably not going to see much, dude. Like, for yeah. some reason, I, unless that it could just be me, you know, <clears throat> just not being in the right area at the right time. But it's, I just have not had great luck in the rain. Now, so I was thinking – I've oh, had I've had some some luck, you know. Obviously, having some encounters before and after, uh, mm-hmm. let's say a front moves through and dumps some rain or snow or whatever. But never, right. 
I've never sat in a tree stand when it's raining and have had a mature buck walk by me. I've never had that happen. Neither have I. Not when there's actual rain coming down. Never. Yeah. And, they, and I hear about it every year. You see it. Yeah. You see it on you know social media and everywhere. It's like, oh yeah, I was out there that morning and it was just a steady rain and it was one of those miserable days and here he come just right down the trail, you know, just <laughs> all mucked up and muddy and bristled up and it's like, yeah, yeah, I was in my truck. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, anymore. It's like I'll just sit here, sip coffee, stare out the window, just grumpy. Right, right. So elk yeah. hunting got canceled because of the weather. Is it? Uh, yeah, well, just down today? there, and, I, and I, it sounds like I made a good call because I, I talked to talked to one of my buddies that that has been down there several times, and and he has quite a few buddies that go down there all the time. Yeah, and and I just kind of made the call late last night because we were me and my dad were going to go down this morning, and. I just seen it was just dumping like crazy, and then I hear about snow down there, and it's just dumping down there too, and it doesn't look like it's going to let up till late this afternoon. <clears throat> and I just thought, you know what? I bet the roads that we're going to be getting into down there, with there's clay buttes. It's just like it's a lot of clay land down there. So a lot of it is kind of I know that I've heard there's like two track roads. Well, they're just not really maintained or anything. So I've just heard some horror stories of people getting out there and then just sliding down a big ravine and they're stuck there for a day or whatever and hours trying to get out of there and yeah. and then just trying to hike around and all that stuff and up and down inside of the, the badlands and slipping and falling and it just becomes a wreck and I'm like you know I don't really know that I want to work that hard for a cow elk. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I want to go. I want to go out there and have a good hunt, but I don't. I really want. I want to enjoy it, and right. that doesn't sound like something I'm going to enjoy. And if I can, if I got stuff to do around here, then you know, I might as well do something around here. You know, during my time instead of forcing it. You know, so to speak, going down yeah. there in this poor weather. So I got time. I got till January to get it done. So nice. So that tag lasts a while, huh? Yeah, yeah. So gotcha. that so that's kind of part of it too. If it was next week obviously yeah i'm just i'm just going you know no matter what but, well um whitetails we're going to transition to whitetails because that's what i want to talk about and right on right i want to talk about like i think the last time we talked um you were getting ready to go out and do some scouting uh in uh in some of the public land to get ready for this season and i know you you hunt a small very small uh portion of private property too but you focus on 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 your public um talk to us yep. about what your scouting found this year anything abnormal are you seeing anything different new areas uh what did your scouting show you this year well this summer this summer ended up being one of the one of the best scouting summers in the past i suppose seven eight years oh, wow. as far as seeing big mature deer in general and uh really when it all kind of kicked off was the first week of june <clears throat> i took a vacation with my wife and three kids we went out to montana uh central montana and did some camping for nine days camping and uh fishing and hiking and all that stuff and and uh the day before we were leaving it was literally the night before we were leaving we were leaving the next morning my dad called me and said, um, 
I just spotted a really big deer. <laughs> yeah. And and I could tell in his voice. You know, we know we know our dads and yeah. and I could just tell in his voice right away like hmm, he's not joking. He he, uh, he really did see something that is, you know, pretty magnificent. And so he said, I need to get some cameras. Do you have any ready? You know, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm in the middle of packing. You know, I'm like, are you sure? You know, like, you really think you should get some cameras in there? Like, it's he's June. like, man, I think, I, <laughs> what's that? It's June, right? So, I mean, they're not fully grown yet. Yeah, they're not fully grown. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, <clears throat> half-ass get out of it in a way because I was, yeah. I was super busy. I'm packing for a family trip here. And I had just gotten off work. And I'm trying to pack so we can leave right away the next morning not waste any time and uh he goes luke this thing is big he's like i know it's big and i actually think it might have two drop times i immediately went downstairs <laughs> <laughs> you said drop <laughs> i'm out <laughs> just, no, drop, drop times <laughs> oh, oh, let me let me let me find all my cameras i'll give you all my cameras and so i, I got a bunch ready i don't know it was like I don't know, six five or six of them or something like that and uh Got them all ready. Got all new batteries in them. Got all the cards ready. And my dad isn't like, uh, I, I wouldn't say, you know, technologically literate, yeah. really. You know, like most of our dads probably, you know. And and uh, so I got to prep everything perfectly. So where all he's got to do, open the thing up and flip the switch to on and then mm -hmm. walk away and shut the thing and walk away. Which he still fails at. <laughs> he can still fail at sometimes. <laughs> Shit, I could have swore I turned it on. You know, <laughs> I hear that all the time. I do it too, but I'll, I'll now I have a tendency to I'll do it all right. I'll walk away ten yards and turn around and go back, open it oh, up, and dude, look. I do that so many times. Yeah, I've even gotten all the way to my truck, and my mind <laughs> is playing tricks on me. Like, yeah, uh, you didn't turn it on, and I I walk you know back into the timber, stomp it in, around, yep. and then go get to my camera, and it's already on. Yeah, yeah, you just feel like such a dummy, but it's like, yeah. uh, come on, brain, could you just work a little good, a little bit for me? Just work, just <laughs> give me some confidence. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, so anyway, it's got them, got them all ready, and so all he had to do is flip the switch to on and walk away. And uh, so he went out and set them that first that that next day when we took off to Montana, and I was gonna be gone for nine days. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'll go set them, and when you guys get back. We'll run out and grab them, and we'll check them. And I was like, all right, sounds like a plan to me. He sets them. We go off and have a vacation. We come back, give him a call. He's he's all ready to go. He's he's yeah. all jacked up. He's like, I've seen him. I've seen him three, four times this past week. I know I got him on camera. He's huge. Okay, all right, let's go, man. So we go out there, and we pick up all these cameras and uh, get back to the house, and, and we're, we're about two or three cameras in, and, the pictures are not really ideal. They're, yeah. he's, he's, he likes it. It's just funny. You know, he, he, he sometimes doesn't really get what he, how he should set the cameras. You know, I'm trying to yeah. teach him as long as we go, but sometimes he just has some goofy ideas. <clears throat> but anyways, there's one camera that he set absolutely perfect, and it was in the most perfect spot. And when we picked it up, I said, man, if, if we're going to get the picture of this thing, I said, it's going to be this camera. Because those other cameras, <laughs> sorry to tell you, buddy, yeah. but I don't really think we're getting anything on those. He's like, well, I just want to throw them out, man. And he's like, That's I said, no, it's all right. And uh, so we get back to the house, and, yeah, about second or third camera in, we get to that one. And, and uh, there he was, just a freaking beast, 
just an absolute beast on public land. You know, straight five by five. Uh, he had drop tines curl kind of back and down off of the base of his G2s. Yeah. They're about four or five inches, you know, probably, I would guess, at least something like that. And uh, and then he's got a split G3 on his right side. So he's just this, just a beast. I mean, probably 170-ish, oh, I would man. probably, I would say, you know, he's right in there. He might yeah. even be bigger. It's just, uh, it's hard to judge that kind of a deer, you know, he's yeah. just not used to it. But uh, not only him, he got we got pictures of two other beasts. One, uh, one really tall, heavy, uh, major, major tall uh, brow tines on him. He must have like nine, nine, ten inches brow tines, and he's just a basket rack deer, yeah. uh, four by four. And he's a tank. There's another big four by four. Uh, actually, there was probably four shooters that we got pictures of in that time frame. And then there was another one that. He might be a little younger deer, uh, maybe maybe four and a half or so. Maybe I try to you know shoot something five and a half plus. I don't even care what the antlers really look like. Yeah, just kind of what I chase. And uh, my dad though, he's he's like ah four and a half year old. He don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> he hunts from the ground, you know. And so he has he has some legitimacy there. I think he, he he hunts a little bit tougher than most guys do, right in their face. And he can't hear worth worth a crap. So they sneak up on him and. So it's pretty in, pretty intense for him. Quick question: but, <clears throat> How many? You know, you said your goal uh, on these on this public ground is a five year old, right? And for mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not trying to compare public ground in North Dakota to public ground anywhere else in the United States because every state yeah. is different. But yeah. how many five year olds do you run into in a year to be able to say, okay, I'm only going to shoot a five year old? Um, well, I would say anywhere from 10 to 15, probably. Really? And, and mm-hmm. over, over how many acres is that? Oh, thousands. Thousands. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you're, yeah. You're, you're just, you're talking about your entire public ground yeah. range. The, yeah. My whole range of hunting. Yeah. This whole river bottom that I hunt. I mean, it, you know, it's. It's it's got a lot of ground, and so it's it's kind of broken up into kind of kind of just big big sections of timber, most of it. So I can I can pretty much say in every block of timber, I'm going to find a big mature deer. Right. I, I mean, almost every time. I mean, I, I and those blocks might be ten acres, they might be 160 acres, you know, and or even larger than that. There are some that are really really big blocks of, of uh, public land. In right. management areas, so in those areas probably hold three to six, probably you know of really good good mature deer because they're just they have such good good cover in most of these places that I don't know if a lot of them really ever get seen in the daylight. Yeah, because there's there's deer you know everybody gets pictures of deer around here that nobody ever sees, nobody ever kills. We you know you might get a picture, you know you might you might get. A, a, uh, you might see them run across the road, you know, in the dark, you know, but you just don't see them. Right. You know, you don't, you know, you don't see them. But. Is that, is that because of the terrain? I mean, the, the river bottom ground typically means you can only, unless you're using a boat, you're only access, accessing it through the, the land, the, the, the portion that has the road. 
right? Mm-hmm. The rest. So mm-hmm. is it because a majority of the hunters that are going into this public ground um, chasing this deer are basically a big flag coming through the timber saying, hey, we're here, you know, we're accessing our tree stands and these deer are – you know, smart to the fact that a hunter's coming in and they just avoid it. And that's how some of these deer are becoming mature. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is, that's, that's what a lot of it is, is, uh, you know, these places get, they get hit. I think they get hit pretty hard because not necessarily in numbers of people, but the people that are hunting a lot of these places are, are, you know, there's, there's people that have hunted these areas for longer than I have, you know, and so they're not the average guys that, that walk 300 yards to their tree stand. They're, they're guys that get in there, they use canoes, they use kayaks, they, use, yeah. they cross beaver dams, they, you know, use waders, chest waders, you know. And, and so they're, they're getting in there and they're intruding, you know. I mean, we're all kind of hunting the same way. I mean, there, there's not a lot of them, but if you've got enough guys that are really pushing the limits, I think that, that's what kind of puts that heavy pressure on them, you know, where... I might go in and intentionally just go in there knowing I'm going to screw that place up for a while. Like, I just know I will. Like, I'm going in for this hunt, and it's going to be kind of screwy for a while in that area. Yeah. But I might base that off of hunting this area, you know, tonight, and then maybe hunt off of what what I stirred up that night before. I might go hunt a different area not far away, thinking that a lot of the deer are going to want to kind of use this area because I just, I was just in there last night, you know, so I'm trying to maybe, maybe I bumped them, moved them out of there and they're going to try to come through a different area, you know? Right. And then that's worked, you know, I've seen places that don't have a lot of sign, but you know, I kind of made a lot of ruckus in one area one night and I'll the next morning, if the wind's good, I, you know, maybe might go North three, you know, a quarter mile or something. Right. And catch them on a different entrance back in, and then you go, oh, holy shit! Not really much sign back here, but I did see quite a few deer this morning. And that's probably because I kind of tore it up over on the other side. Right. You know, I've heard of guys doing that before, where they will do exactly what you just said. They'll go into one side of their farm or mm-hmm. a piece of public ground, and they'll they won't even set a tree stand. They'll just almost like shed hunt. You know how we shed hunt? Just grid yeah. back and forth, back and forth. They'll do yeah. that and purposely bump deer out of there, drive all the way around the section, access it from the back door, and then uh, ha- and then that's where all the deer come out. Yep. Yep. I've heard the same thing. And I mean, that's, yeah, that's basically the tactic that I'm using there. And it might be, it might be like, I'll set cameras in areas that I know that, all right, if I go check that camera, my wind's going to blow gently into that stuff. And they're not going to want to use that area that evening. Yeah. So I, I think, all right, if I'm going to go check that camera, so I got to go check it at some point, I'm going to go check that camera and then I'm going to hunt the other side where I think that they're going to try to use to get back to the fields aside from where they had that scent coming from, you know, they're going to go, oh, all right, well, somebody's over there. Something's messing around over there. I'm not, I really don't want to go towards that tonight. Whereas I don't really even know if big deer move after that too. I, I mean, right. I sometimes think that I might shoot myself in the foot doing that where, you know, if I just didn't go mess around at all, maybe they'd actually get up. You know, after they smell somebody, maybe it takes them a little while to get comfortable of even getting up again. You know, right. that could be the case too. Right. So you got, you know, 
we kind of went off on a tangent there, but you got these big, um, you got, mm-hmm. you got a variety of shooters that you've pointed out before the season yeah. even started. Right now, yeah. what, what do you do now that you've identified a handful of target bucks in this area, you know, that you want to go after? What's the next step now? Well, right now I'm in the process of tracking them all down again. Cause now everything, cause I can find them in the summertime and early fall. Right. But they're, they're most likely not going to be anywhere close to where I've, uh, I've located them in the summer. Yeah. And that not, that might not even be because they relocate because of fall, you know, fall where they like to, you know, cause they have summering areas, you know, some deer do, some deer just stay in one spot all the damn time. You know, they're all kind of just their own, their own, you know, their own animal, you know, they just depends on how they are. Right. as an animal and but you know but with all the with all the the moose hunting now is is, is getting picked up and then the dove hunting starts this, the same day as bow season which i gotta fight and get get that changed because it's just it's just the most ridiculous thing ever uh bow season opens and so does dove hunting and so the same day oh, so the bow hunters don't get a chance to hunt without a gunshot fired they don't get a chance you know to let animals know like hey it's all back we're all <laughs> back out here again it's like a you big know? light switch we're yeah on. And, and, it, and it and that whole va- this whole valley just lights up from noon to dark it's just shotguns non-stop because there's doves everywhere and so they're walking around and everywhere and then you got moose hunters that are you know <clears throat> i give them all the all, you know all the leeway the moose hunters they got a once in a lifetime tag i don't get mad if i see a moose hunter ever I'm like, yeah. you get your moose. Don't worry about me. Yeah. You know? And so that's kind of what happened this year. We went, me and dad went after the double drop sign opening night was we had dove hunters everywhere. I mean, shooting it up like crazy. Uh, moose hunters had, I'd come right past the tree stand. Uh, and actually the, the, the lady killed her moose, which was pretty badass to hear that all unfold. Cause they were only a couple hundred yards away. And we heard the, the excitement and the celebra- celebrations and stuff. It was pretty pretty cool to hear it. You know, she was pretty thrilled. And uh, it was just, we didn't see anything. You know, we didn't see anything. And, and, and now we have not, we haven't seen him since uh, we got a picture of him right before bow season started, like a couple days before bow season started. Yeah. So we don't know where he's at right now. That's kind of what we're doing this afternoon is we're going to go in and get, we got to put in the canoe paddle about a half mile pick up i got seven cameras stre- uh, stretched out across one whole area trying to figure out what's what's working this area right now and i'm going to pull those cameras they've been out there for about 10 12 days pull those and we're going to go and just just plant these freaking cameras all over in this other area trying to trying to figure out where this deer is or any of them for that matter because we haven't seen any of those four big dudes that were running around and i know they're around it's just i just gotta find them again and that's kind of what what we're at right now is that typical for you to locate i mean let's be honest it's easy to get pictures of deer with a trail camera right you can throw them out you let them do the scouting then the season comes is this something that you do every year where you plan on the the bucks changing locations and then you have to go and find them again Yep, because if I can find out where they're at in October, that's that's the, that's the real money for me in my book. If I can figure out where they're living in October, 
that's where they're going to be throughout the rest of the season, maybe at least into late winter. Because if, if it's bad enough, the winter's bad enough, they will move to the food. You know, they just got to. So, But you have that October, November, early December at least, maybe even late September sometimes where you locate a deer and he'll be there. He'll just be in that area. You'll keep yeah. getting pictures of him. You know, you just start playing that cat and mouse game. You just, you know, you go here, you go there. He goes here, you go there. You know, it's just constant. And that's, yeah, that's that's very, very common with how, how it works. So I'm constantly running these cameras, constantly, you know, walking these these, old, these kind of dry waterways that, that show every track in them, you know, trying to look for the tracks. You know, I've, I've heard people talk about identifying a single track and, you know, yeah. figuring out how to identify. I don't know how to do that. I've tried. I've tried to really figure it out, and I, I don't know. It just seems really hard to do. Um, but if I can just get a big track, that's really all I'm after anyways, you know. So yeah. if I can catch a big track, all right, if it's him, it's him. If it's not, I don't really care. I'm going to shoot this one anyways because I can just tell he's a big animal, you know. So, yeah, it's just constant, man. It's it's a lot of fun. You got to hunt the damn things, you yeah. know. I mean, you know, that, that's that's why we do it, you know. Right. It's, if it was easy, it wouldn't be any fun at all, you know, right. which which is why hunting this private stuff by my house, I mean, it's just right right, below, right by my house, and uh, which is why I'm kind of hesitant to even shoot one down there. There's a there's a big, old, heavy, tall 5x4 in there, and he's kind of taunting me. I feel it, you know. I, <laughs> I, I took my daughter with because I was like, you know what, I'll shoot him with my daughter. I'll shoot him with my daughter at the tree, you know, and... I'll shoot him with like a whole bunch of different camera angles and try to put together just the most badass thing I can put together. You know, I'd shoot him because yeah. I got a lot, lot going on. You know, with, you know, with full time job and you know, I got all these different tags to fill. My wife and and uh, my mom both have rifle tags for 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 whitetail bucks around here this year and and I just you know, to be honest, I love to just film too. So yeah. if I film my tag on a deer that's not on public. Hell, you know, that's fine too, you know. I know I put my work in anyways, so I'm not going to feel bad about it. Would I rather shoot one on public? Yeah, but I'm not going to feel bad about shooting this this big old tanker deer, and he's not the best genetics in the world anyways. So, I mean, if it happens, it happens. But, you know, kind of a fallback spot, really. Yeah, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about this. You know, you, you got some cameras that are out already mm-hmm. on this public ground you you're yep. going out with your dad today to put out more in hopes of locating one of these uh bucks that you've identified during the summertime uh, i want to this is where we kind of do your choose your own adventure you know those books where turn to page 60 for this turn to page one for yep. that. So, yeah exactly so i want to i want to start off with the negative situation where you let's say you go back in two weeks you check your trail cameras and there is no there's deer on it but there's no shooter bucks that you're interested in going after what do you do then uh spread the search out because we already got a good idea of where we want to start yeah and so we're going to start in one area and we're going to basically just saturate it with cameras and do it you know it's rainy and windy and crappy today so yeah. it's about the perfect day we both have ch- we'll both have chest waders on you know scent will be very minimal i mean sound will be very minimal so it'll be really a r- perfect day to do it 
you know, intrusion will not be, you know, really heavy. So we'll get in there, we'll set these all up, and now it's just a checklist game, you know? Yeah. You you know, like, we covered that area. All right, he's, right. He, he is obviously not in that little area. Yeah. And we might not cover, but, you know, five to seven acres, you know, yeah. one little area. And then, uh, you know, we'll move either south, we'll move west, we'll move north, you know, and, and it might be where we move across the road or a different area, you know, just trying to figure out, did he move the, did he move way north? Did he move a half mile north? Did he move, a, you know, a mile east, a mile west? Because it's right on the river, and he could easily jump the river too. So right. that, I haven't crossed that off the list either. So that might be something that comes down to, all right, we're not finding him on this side. Yeah. Now it's time to hit the other side. You know, and we can so, just, and I know the other side of the river pretty well. Yeah. So I already have ideas of where we got to hit, you know, on that side too. Right. So the areas you focus on are super concentrated. It's really tight. You're only mm-hmm. covering like a 10 acre area. And then if you go in there, no trail camera picks, uh, you're, you're off to the next little location. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, what I'll try to do, what I'll try to do is, is, is find, Direction of travel. If I can get a consistent direction of travel and move down that line parallel with those so that you're crossing each each trail and you can just kind of move down a line and you can yeah. hit, hit, you know, you can kind of move in a line and you have, a, you might be a little weavy or, you know, wiggly or whatever, but, you know, as your, you know, camera line would be. It's almost like setting a trap line, you know, I've heard people kind of, you know, relate it to. And <clears throat> so we'll set that. And so we can go, all right, here's a block. Here's a really block, a big, thick bedding area. We know deer are in there. They've, you know, historically they're there. So let's try that spot. Let's, let's, let's at least eliminate that one, right. you know. And then yeah. once we eliminate that one, and it might not be, you know, it's public ground. So it's like somebody could just go in there the time we have the, the cameras there and kind of bump them around and, you know, and maybe he doesn't show up, but. You know, we're just, we're doing all we can do, and that's all, it, you know, you put your cameras out, you know, you, you look for deer sign, you know, big rubs and tracks, and, and my dad has been seeing consistent tracks where he's been hunting trying to find this guy, this deer, and he just he just hasn't seen any big shooters out in this, this area, and he's hunted pretty hard, and he, he, he ne- normally never hunts until end of October. He's a, he's a, he's a big rut fanatic, he loves to call in deer, and you know, get aggressive with them. And, and so that, if that tells you anything, it's a guy that normally would never hunt until end of October. But this deer's big enough that it's got him like, I got to get out there and try to get him, yeah. you know, because he probably might not, you know, people are going to find out about him, they're going to see him, and, and uh, you know, everybody and their dog will be after him. Right, right. So I'm going to throw a curveball at you now. Let's say you go in there, you're, mm-hmm. you know, you flip through some of your cameras and there's not really any uh, buck, you know, any bucks on camera, but maybe there's some fresh sign, and your your camera maybe just didn't catch it, or mm-hmm. a big rub yep. pops out. Are, are you giving up on that area altogether just because your cameras say no big bucks, or do you kind of put that at a mental note and come back to it later? Yeah, I mean, if if I can tell, you know, a lot of times we – you know, we run the cameras long enough, you can almost tell, like, damn it, look at these tracks, you know, like, yeah. camera's pointing that way, and we totally missed it, you know, we guessed wrong or something. I really never eliminate anywhere, 
that's that you know that's gonna not hold a big deer because i could i i'm confident in 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 multiple areas across this whole river valley that i know there's a big deer in them things i just know there is it's just i have too much you know historical data from hunting this long here you know 15 whatever 16 years whatever it is now you know that you just learn those things and you don't forget it you know and and you just know there's these pockets that they're gonna hold a big deer you know whether or not there's heavy pressure or not he just has a perfect perfect uh setup to the bed there if somebody comes in and intrudes he's got a perfect escape route i mean deer will just they'll put up with anything and everything if they have the perfect setup you know and with you know as long as that wind is uh predominantly you know it's like here it's like out of the west northwest almost you know 70 to 80 percent of the time it seems like so you know deer will find those particular spots where that wind is perfect for them and they got their you know they got their their back to some water if they can or they got their back to where they got a perfect thick 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 area that they can escape out of you know and i i but no to answer your question about giving up on an area no i never will i just might might think that well maybe we spooked them up you know and when we hung the cameras because that's always a possibility you know yeah so so are deer are, are the bucks tolerant of pressure or or because you know you talk to the guys out east, and they say, mm-hmm. man, you get one chance. You screw something up with a buck in, in Pennsylvania or uh, Michigan, you, that buck may never step foot in that area again. Uh, now, for me, where I hunt, um, I don't have – I have pressure. I don't have that kind of pressure, but, you know, it's going to take a couple of days to, you know, till or maybe even an entire season for that buck to come back into that area. What kind of mm-hmm. pressure can you get away with? I, if, if a deer wins you, if, if a big buck wins wins me and I see him win me, or I know, you know, I just know that he did, yeah. oof, he may not leave the area. Well, that, that sucker is not moving during daylight for a while. Like, he just, I, I have, I don't think I can even remember an instance where I really got busted by a deer and he knew I was in there and, and, and he was being hunted. You know, I, I don't think I've ever been busted and then actually went back even even within a couple of weeks and seen that deer. Yeah. You know, I, there's been instances where, you know, uh, maybe a, maybe he's actually, he thought he's seen something, but I know he didn't wind me and he still gets a little skittish and kind of trots off and kind of stomps his foot around a little bit here and there. And, you know, you know, he's like, something's up. Yeah. Now, even in that instance, I've had it where they go per- completely nocturnal from there, you know, on all the cameras. They're just like, nope, not moving during daylight, not going to do it. You know, I, right. they just, and it all depends on the deer, you know. I mean, that, that's really what it is because some deer will put up with a lot and some deer just don't even mess around from the start of it. You know, they're just completely nocturnal. So I think it's just all about their encounters growing up. And what has you know what they've dealt with, and all of these, all of these uh, red flag you know alerts in their brain that, that that trigger throughout growing up. And I think if they have too many close calls, I think just eventually just go. You know what? I don't have any close calls when it's dark out. I'm not even moving till dark. Right. You know. Right. So they become <laughs> educated on the basically yeah. the best way to avoid that pressure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I've I've tried to pay attention to over the years, even even just on this private area. So I've used this private area as a perfect way to just study these deer, just trying to figure out how they operate. Yeah. And and what I can do is set up cameras along these along along there's a there's a hidden field and I can I can put up cameras along that thing and and monitor which ones are entering the field even through rut. Well, I've found where some of the some of the older older deer in that area over the years will will almost always not have a doe with them. They'll just it's like they hit the field and then they'll be on every camera all night long just chasing and it's like they just they just manage to fight the urge to chase and find the does until daylight or until uh, dark. And then once they're out there, they're running like absolutely nonstop, you know, and then you never get a picture of them in the, in the daylight. And that's in, in the timber, that's anywhere. They just don't move in the, in the daylight. Sometimes some of the, some of these deer, even on private land, they're just, they figure it out. They know the, the fail proof way to live. And it's, it's pretty pretty crazy, you know. It's pretty yeah. wild. It's, it's interesting as hell. So now, <sighs> kind of going back to you know the the beginning of the story, then you check your trail cameras, and then you mm-hmm. do see a target buck on those trail cameras. What's the next step from there? Figure out figure out the the wind I'm going to need and the position it's going to take to cut them off, and that might not even be a possibility even off even based off the camera just because i got a picture of him doesn't mean i'm going to be able to kill him either right. you know if he's you know two in the morning every damn time or if you see him that's the only bit in time he's moving you're you know if i have it set up where he's moving to the field and every time i know he's coming from his bed right there it's 11 or midnight and every time he's coming back it's three or four or five you know, it's never daylight. And if you just, it's consistent like that, I may not even mess with it until rut and I can get back in his bed and just sit all day and just hope that he, he's going to move in his bed back there somewhere, you know? And that's really sometimes all a guy can do. Sometimes I just totally, you know, move on. I got a whole lot of ground to cover and, you know, and and not as much time as I used to. So, I'm going to my best case scenario every time I go out, you know, yeah. and that might not be after the biggest animal I know about a lot of the time. It'll just, it might just be, all right, I don't even know if there's a big mature deer here right now, but, you know, I always go back to that historical data. It's like they lived here before. I'm sure they're going to be here still. You know, right. something will be, you know. Have you, One found, of kind of have you found in the past that certain terrain or – location in the along the river or bedding area will always hold a big buck and then let's say if that buck dies gets killed you know goes away another buck will move into that area and it starts all over again Mm -hmm. um 100 100 man like there's there's certain just absolute thick i mean they are the thickest spots that you can find right i mean they're the most i mean you almost belly crawl through them if if you're going to actually move through them you know they're built for they're set up for the deer because they can crouch down way low and they can slither through there almost you know for somebody to even move in there and, and try to sneak up on a bedded deer say even 
I had thought of that. It's like, so if I know he's in there, is there any chance I could even sneak in there, glassing and moving as absolutely as possible? I don't even know if that'd be possible, you know, to even get in there and, and even see him get up and run away. I don't, I don't even know if that'd be possible yeah. with a bow and, you know, yeah, yeah. Oof. They're just the perfect setup. And, right. and when you get in them and you know that's where they're at, you look around and it's like, yeah, this is where I would be. <laughs> you yeah. know and a lot of times all you got to do is is put yourself in you know in in the in a deer's position and go where the hell would i go right what would i do if i didn't want to get killed by these these guys you know running around climbing trees and sitting in little huts and stuff like that what would i do well i would lay in the thickest spot possible up against some water and i wouldn't even move till dark right. <laughs> you know right. i don't think there's I don't, you know, they're definitely not as, as 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 maybe dumb as some people think that an animal might just be. I think they they catch on real quick, and it right. doesn't take much to tip them off to right. what they need to do to stay alive. So, how how important is sign? I know you have a you use a lot of historical data um, mm-hmm. to where these deer live, where maybe their travel corridors are, and where they're going to feed, but how important or what role does sign play to you making a move? Little to none. Yeah. Yeah. Explain that for us. So, well, scrapes from what I've seen are, you know, highly made under darkness. You know, I, I can't really tell you how many times I've seen a big mature animal make a scrape in the daylight. I mean, I, you know, I, if I knew about it, I'd have it on film because I've been carrying the camera around forever now, you know, and even a rub, you know, I just, I haven't filmed a lot of big animals making rubs and scrapes and, and stuff of that nature. And even on, you know, putting a camera on a scrape, you know, I mean, there might be one or two times in a whole rut that a deer will, even if that's his scrape and he's been monitoring it and he's been hitting it, like there might be one time you know, where he hits it even just, just barely daybreak or at dusk, you know, where there's just enough light to, you know, shoot him legally, not even film him, you know, and I just, if I see a scrape, all I, all I, all I really do is I use those basically just to put a a scrape, you know, put a camera on it just to know what the hell's in the area, you know, I can figure out, oh, there's a big deer in the area. All right. I'll rarely get a picture of him in the daylight there, but I at least know that's a great spot to use to get some inventory and see what the hell is there, you know, and whether I, whether I want to spend time there, whether I, you know, what I want to do, maybe get a direction of where he's entering that thing from, you know, and where he's coming from in the morning. So it kind of gives you that little bit of a line of, all right, he's heading that direction. He's heading this direction. So, you know, I'll go on and look at my, look at my map and go, all right, here's that, here's this line. Yeah. All right, where's the thickest bedding area in that line, you know, generally? Boom. That's where I'll move to in the rut, you know? Okay. So once you establish this, right, okay, man, I, I located a big buck. He is on trail camera. I move into this area. I, you know, I figure out my wind. I figure out where, my stand location, my access route, all that stuff. How much time are you putting in an area and waiting for that buck to show up before you split and go somewhere else. Depends on my access and how much I've 
I've, I've saturated it really. Um, there's, there's some instances where I can use my boat and come right off the river. A lot of times they're bedded fairly close to the river. So if I can, if I can get in there and, and the ground and the trees and everything is laid out the right way, you know, where I can get in there and I can get right back out without having, you know, my wind just blowing right over the river all day, you know, whatever. I don't sit all day very often. And, but the only time I will is if I can't, if there's no other choice, that deer just completely isn't moving out of that bedding area until dark. Well, that's really the only choice I have to even kill him. So if I'm going to do that, I'll try to make it so I can slip in. And this is part of preseason stuff where I go in and I'll just clip just a little bit of a trail right from my boat to where I can slip in easy, no quiet and I can just creep right in. It might be only 20 yards, it might be 50 yards, 60 yards off the river. But I slip right in. I'm right up my tree. My wind's still blowing all over the, the river, you know, and it's well before light, hour and a half, two hours before even first light. And I'm in there. Everything's quiet. And then I wait. And then I do the same thing after I leave. I'll wait for almost no sound. Hopefully it's, it's quiet enough in the evening. You can kind of hear things leave or, you know, you can hear things settle down where you go, all right, I think everything's gone. I'll slip out of there. And now I know that spot really didn't get any pressure, you know, and then I might be able to go back there the next day or, you know, at least that week, a couple times. It all just depends on a feeling, you know, and if I felt like I screwed something up, if I dropped something and it clanged and banged and I heard deer run around, run away, and it's like, ah, all right, I don't feel confident in it anymore, you know? Yeah. And I don't, I just don't hunt anywhere without being confident about it, you know? So, you know, it's, it's just a feel thing, you know, yeah. mainly, right. you know, it's hard to really explain. Yeah. So when you're going in there, uh, are your first time, you know, obviously we, we hear everybody t- say first time in best time in, right. Mm-hmm. Is, is that the case for, or, I mean, do you see that type of, you know, the first time you set up the, the best is the best possible time, you know, when you're going to have the, the encounter with these, uh, bucks, or is it, um, one of these things where it might be the next morning or the next evening? And I know this is a long question, but when you go into these areas, is it a, is it an evening hunt? Is it a morning hunt running gun? What's the deal there? So first of all, yeah, first, first time in is always going to be your best. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> that's 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 the glory of hunting all this public land is I get to have a, a shitload of of uh first sits. Yeah. And I and I and I kind of try to do only first sits, you know, almost all season. And that might be I only move 150 yards or 200 yeah. yards, but I might give it a day or two before I ever go or a week even before I go back, but I'm still a first sit because I haven't been in that spot. Well, I look at it like this too, where that first sit might not technically be a first sit in my mind. It is because I wasn't there, but that doesn't mean anybody else wasn't in there, you know? So you also can't look at it as, well, it was my first sit. What the hell happened? It should have been deer everywhere. You know, like what's going on? No, you got to look at it all. You know, you got to look at it from, you know, from, from a different perspective as you're hunting, you know, if you're hunt if you're hunting public land, you know, there's a whole lot of things that can go wrong way more things that are going to go wrong that are ever going to go right. And so you just got to be aware of mentally that 
yes, if you can, you can do everything in your power to just be there at the right time, which might be that first time in. But you got to also understand that there are things that you're never going to know why something happened, why this didn't happen, and you got to be able to live with that and, and not get discouraged and, and feel like, you know, which is what I ha- which is what happens with a lot of people around here, which is why oddly enough, the best time to hunt around here is during the rut. Like the September and October moving into it is always way 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 more active for people because they wear themselves out, they get bummed out and they go, "You know what? Now it's cold. Now I got to get out there and it's going to be cold and waste my time and you know so i i i relish in the cold and the later part of the season because that's when i really get to start hunting deer based off of what they're doing not really how they're reacting to everybody else you know i can basically trust what i know and and kind of go in there on them first hunts and be way more confident that that's a real fresh sit you know right and then uh The other end of the question was, oh, yeah, it's going to be a morning or an evening, right? Yeah. So if it's off the river and I'm back coming in off the river, morning every time. Yeah. Uh, Rarely will come off the river and hunt in the evening unless there's some instance where I can can park and I can walk a ways, make a little bit of a circle. It might be one of those that's just way the hell back there where if I want to hunt an area, I got to use the boat, and then I got to walk quite a ways from there. So that would be an instance where I'd hunt in the evening yeah. or in the rut. You know, uh, if, uh, if there's people parked and been hunting an area in the rut and it seems like, Oh, well, somebody might have a gun tag or, you know, there's people kind of been in and out of there a little bit. Well, if I want to go deeper, I'll use my boat, cut some time out of walking and, and, uh, maybe even cut, cut out or running into people and ruining their hunt, you know? And, yeah. and I just don't like to run into people, you know? And, uh, cause I'd feel, I, I feel absolutely horrible every time I do it. I know that's part of it, you know, but I still just I constantly, I just go, Oh gosh, there's a guy, Damn yeah. it. you yeah. know, and, you know, I try to just wave at him and, you know, pat your chest like, ah, my bad. And just sneak out of there, you know, yeah. but, but anyways, yeah. And just sneak in and, uh, get in, get in there off the, off the river. And that would be like one of those instances where me and me and my dad would would uh maybe use the boat and get back into some some deeper stuff and and jump off and let things settle down for a while and uh start moving start doing some rattling and calling and and moving upwind into some some bedding areas and with the wind in our face is what i mean and moving into uh, different bedding areas and working our way through timber and and calling deer in that way off the ground right right so with with you hunting public ground, and you mentioned it just a little bit, you hate running into other hunters. I know you hate it when other hunters run into you. Do you ever use other hunters as a part of your strategy? And what I mean by that is I'll give you an example of a, a time when I uh, use other hunters for me. So I've had – I have a tree stand where um, the – the other hunters I share a property with, they, they'll drive a four-wheeler down a two-track. Well, that kicks the deer deeper into the farm, and I access it from a different direction so that I'm already in my tree stand like maybe an hour earlier than what they get there. And then by the time the, the these guys come in, 
it pushes the deer close, you know, closer to my direction. And now, now it doesn't work every time, but mm-hmm. it does push deer past me right at first light. Are you ever using other hunters in your strategy in a scenario similar to that? Yeah, yeah, all the time. S- same, same type of stuff right there. Yeah, yeah. If, if it's possible, you know, if it's an area that you know I really want to hunt and I know that that big deer is is vulnerable, you know, and I just like I just got to be in there. And yeah, I'll definitely, definitely, uh, I always pay attention to where I see people. You know, if I see people in, in particular areas quite often, and I get a pretty good idea of where they're they're coming in and out of, that's a big key for me. You know, that's 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 a that's a weapon, man. I mean, that's 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 sometimes all you need to know is is just like, all right, he is totally hammering that spot. Like there is, and that might be the spot that deer generally really like. You know, and that's why he's there is because it's got a lot. Well, it's got a lot of sign, you know, and it's always had a lot of lot of traffic through. It's got a lot of doe, and uh, and fawns and young buck traffic. You know, they yeah. they'll put up with that stuff. You know, these younger deer and, and and the does and fawns they'll put up with that stuff way more than that big buck will. So he might be still seeing a bunch of deer, but he's not going to see that big dude. You know, and, and so you just got to try to base base that off of like all right what what way is he gonna go you know which where is he gonna go but he wants to go to you know he's you know he's that that hunter those hunters might have him cut off to where he wants to go past that spot but he you know he's got he's got to loop around it somehow and if i feel like he's got to move the temperatures are right or right you know and he's got to hit the field or especially late season late season you know is really the best time to use that tactic because travel travel routes are very limited you know we get a lot of snow i know there's a guy i've been hunting one area really hard i know that deer is coming to the field regardless it's just a matter of where he's coming through because it's way too cold and if he doesn't feed he knows he's done for so that's where i use that tactic the most is trying to figure out right they're they're right there that's where that guy's been or this guy's been or a couple of them have been and it's like all right i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna play off of that And, and it might be just you find a, a trail that's not really that well well beat down, but you can tell like even in some spots where you can see a track in the snow and it's like that's a bigger deer, that's yeah. a bigger deer and and it, I can see it just started using it and it's like all right, I'm gonna set up here, and I've ran into big deer doing that, just like you said, you know. Right. You can always play off of that. Yeah, I totally agree with that, man. So, you sent me a text message. Oh man. See if I can find it real quick, but it, this was late September, mid September, maybe, of a huge buck, a big buck. I think this was a was this a big clean nine or ten that you sent me the picture of, where you're in the grass. Oh yeah, that was the that was the one right by the house here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. So, have you had any enc- other encounters with him? Have you seen him at all again since you've been hunting him? Yep. Yeah. That's that's the one that's right down uh, on the private stuff. Okay. And I, that was the one I took. Uh, me and my buddy went after him one night. We just had no other options of going anywhere else, and we knew we could go there and actually just have a fun hunt, just you know, run some video camp, you know, equipment, play with some stuff, and try some different things, and you know, basically just have a good time sitting in a tree. And uh, so we went there, and we knew that guy was there, and we knew he was running around. And he shows up. I mean, we get so much great footage of all these different bucks and. The lighting was great, and, and he comes out, and he stands at oh, probably 90 yards uh, for forever. I mean, for like an hour, just 
feeding in the sugar beets, and there was deer everywhere, moose everywhere. Just one of those nights, just perfect, you know. Right. You just sit back and enjoy the show, basically. And uh, he comes out. We get a bunch of footage of him. He ends up making his way towards us, finally, right at last 10 minutes of filming light, probably. And uh, he's coming right to us. He's, he's slowly but surely coming to us. And he gets to about 70 yards. And then these this cow and two calves, uh, moose, pop out of the brush right next to us, our tree stand. And they come out right in front of us. And that buck, he's just, they treat them almost like cows, like actual farm cows is how they yeah. kind of deer kind of treat the the, the moose right. they don't really like them you know they're just they're just big and clunky and loud and they're just they just feel almost like they look at them like god you're an idiot <laughs> you know they just almost look at them in disgust almost it seems like and uh so then moose come out in front of us and so he's coming right towards us and then moose come up and it just deters him he they, he search, circles around stays at about 60 65 and I, I'm not going to shoot that far, especially on a deer that I know if I was to keep hunting him, I'm going to get a great opportunity at him eventually. Right. So I'm like, I'm not going to push it. You know, I'm not going to start flinging arrows like that. I really don't like to shoot past 40, 50 yards anyways. <clears throat> and uh, he circles, he goes by about 60 yards. You know, see you later, buddy. He gets, a, he gets, he goes around us, heads up to the, the next, the next field basically. And, uh, couple days later like we had a heavy rain come through for about a day and a half this was about a week and a half ago me and my oldest daughter went and sat in that same tree and we're just in a two-man ladder stand just something simple up against this giant cottonwood tree and i've had it there for three four years and uh just a good little spot to see everything and that deer does the same almost the same thing and it's kind of drizzly rainy and not not like a heavy rain. The rain was actually subsiding. You know, it's the end of the rain. And so we were like, all right, let's get out there. Last hour and a half is supposed to be fairly dry, you know, and maybe deer will get up and move at that point because they've been bedded for the last day and a half uh, with that heavy rain. And so we go out, and we have a hell of a hunt. We had to see all kinds of deer and big bucks. And she actually spotted the big dude. She, he stepped out of the willows, and she goes, Dad, Dad, is that, is that your big deer? She's like, I think it's the big deer. He's really big. You know, she could tell we were watching deer come out of that area, and she just recognized that it was a bigger animal, you know, which is pretty impressive for an 8-year-old. Yeah. And so I go, I, I pull my binos up, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right, Cadence. That, that's him. He's coming, you know. So instantly she gets all excited. So I'm super pumped because I'm like, yeah, this is going to be cool. If, if he comes in and I kill him with Cadence here, that's going to be one of the best hunts ever. And... So he comes up and he does the same thing. He comes up in the field, starts feeding around in front of us at about 80, 90 yards. And he stays there for half hour, 45 minutes. It's getting darker and darker and darker. And uh, he ends up feeding off in a different angle. And uh, it gets dark on us and we have to wait. And finally some moose came up and they were chasing each other around the ruts going on and ended up running a bunch of deer off away from us so we didn't have to sit too long for deer to get away from us. And we climbed down and and uh finally and but that whole night and you'll see in the footage and i finally do get to share with everybody you'll see in the footage it's just and i'll and i'll talk about it because it's almost like he kept looking up at me from across the field like he knew i was there and it was almost like he was going hey dude how long are you going to sit over there and just watch me like 
it was almost like he was taunting me. It just he'd swing his head up and he'd chew on them beats and he'd just like look at me. And I had the camera zoomed in on him, and I was like, "Are you looking at me?" And just like he was just taunting me or something. So I was like, in my mind, I go, "All right, dude, game on." And now I've, I've now that I've decided, I'll go and get him. He's gone, man. <laughs> it's like we it's like we connected on a level, man. It sounds stupid as hell, but it was like we connected on a level. Like, all right, I'm here. You know, I'm here. I know you're there. Let's play this game, dude. You know, it was almost like we just had a moment where it was like, all right all right, you know, he's like, I've come out in front of you and teased you enough, and you're, you know, I've, 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 I've tempted you enough, now let's, let's go, let's go, let's, let's freaking play this game, you know, and, yeah, for sure. and, uh, and so I've went there twice now on horrible wins for that tree stand, and I haven't gone in that tree stand, though, I've been hunting him in a really weird, it's almost like a, I have to wait for him to enter the field, and there's a low spot along the east side of the field, that they, it's kind of an embankment going up into the field. And I've been staying on the northeast end of it, of the field, and he comes from the south kind of east end. Well, with a west wind, my wind's blowing straight out, not anywhere towards where he's bedded, a west or southwest or something like that. Yeah. And I had a couple of those winds now. I went there last night with my wife and the day before with my buddy Colin. And we did the same thing. And I, and it's easy to do, and, and it's really non-intrusive because nothing ever knows you're there because no deer come from that part of the field. Because there's a, there's, a, there's a water channel that keeps, keeps everything to the south of you. So they don't, instead of crossing that, they just go south and they come up on that side of the field and stay dry, stay out of the mud. So the last two times I've been down there, I didn't see him except for, I, I thought I'd seen him the first night with my buddy, but I can't verify that because I just seen a big body cross, cross this opening. I think it was him, but because that's where I'd been seeing him. But you know, I can't verify it. But I have a feeling it was. Yeah. But it's it's just kind of I just and they finally harvested that beet field, so that could be a little bit why why uh, why he hasn't been just right up in there chewing on beets, you know, for the last hour of light. Yeah. But. Um, he knows he's in a great spot. He knows he's he's pretty safe the way the way he enters the field and where he exits and stuff like that. And it's just I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'll do something out of the box. You know, I'll, I'll wait for him to enter the field. I'll slip down in this low spot, and I'll I'll stalk him. You know, I'll I'll sneak along this low spot, and I'll just peek peek up over the embankment, and I'll get an arrow in him at about 30, 40 yards probably. And so that's kind of what I've been trying to do. And I was just laughing last night with my wife. I was like, I was like, I told you, I told you. He, we had a moment. I was trying to explain it to my wife, Jen. I was like, we had a moment, Jen. <laughs> yeah. We had this moment. It was like challenge accepted, dude. You know, like it's gonna be, it's gonna be a chase now. You know, right. this chess match. So it's pretty cool. It's just building a nice little storyline behind it, which is pretty cool. I, lo- I always love that. So yeah, absolutely. Now, when they harvested that food, uh, is that going to be an issue, you think, or is he going to stick around because he's eating other stuff? Well, they harvest it, but they're, they're, it leaves behind a lot of food when they okay. do harvest beets. Gotcha. It leaves behind lots of little bits and chunks, and and those those are the things that the deer feed on in the dead of winter. In the late yeah. season are these, are these harvested beet fields because there's always a lot of beets left over in there, and they just got to paw them up and dig them around and... You know, in the wintertime, they just got to dig down through the snow and they can get to a frozen sugar beet and chew that thing right up. And it's just, it's great for them. You know, yeah. a lot of calories and stuff and sugars. And 
So, yeah, they're still hitting it. They're still we still seeing quite a few deer hitting them, that field. It's just, uh, you know, whether it's like I said, it's a little weird to think about it. Like, ah, oh, we just had a moment there, and we just made a deal, like mentally there. Where it was like, all right, man, I know you're hunting me, and <laughs> I know I know that you know I'm hunting me. So it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna play this game with you. I'm not. It's not gonna happen easy. Yeah. You know. That's Which awesome. is where I'd rather have it anyways, you know. I wouldn't right. want it to just happen perfectly either. You know, it's kind of fun having it be tough. For sure. I like that, yeah. For sure. Well, I tell you what, man, uh, good luck this season. I'm really uh, – I'm always excited to see when when the psycho comes out and is <laughs> able to uh, get it done up there in North Dakota, man. So good luck this upcoming season. Yeah, I appreciate it, dude. And I'm the same to yourself and – I'm always I'm always freaking paying attention to see if you drop on them big dudes you're after every year. All them pictures, you just drive me nuts. <laughs> I don't get to see big deer like you guys do all the time, so it's always cool to follow a bunch of you guys that have got these mammoth deer, you know, so it's, it's exciting. I hope the hope best for you too, man, and, and for your family too, you know, wish all of you guys well, you know, and uh, thanks for having me on the podcast again, man. And there you have it. Huge shout out to Lucas for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate you taking time to hop on and BS with me a little bit. Huge shout out to each and every one of you who is downloading the podcast and listening to it. I really appreciate that. Huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast Deer Lab, Ripcord Arrow Rests, Exodus Trail Cameras, Wasp Broadheads, Gearhead Bows, Ozonics, Bighorn Outfitters, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, and I think that's it. Guys, please go out and support those uh, companies because they support me and I would really appreciate it. Uh, other than that, guys, check me out on Instagram. Check me out on Twitter. Be sure you're following me on Facebook. A lot of awesome information is coming down the pipe uh, through the social media channels. Be sure to listen to the Land and Legacy podcast, the DIY Sportsman's podcast. More great information that's different than the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast as well. And uh, I can't say anything yet, but please... Pay attention in the near future. Um, something big is going to happen with this podcast, with the other podcasts on this feed. Um, just, I'm not going to say what it is, but there's going to even be an addition, a, a, another podcast joining the ranks uh, that is still completely different than any other podcast that uh, we have on this channel. And um, man, just all, I'm, all I can say is keep an eye out for November 1st ish maybe give or take a day or two but that's the time frame just keep an eye out uh, something big's going to happen other than that guys please hunt safe hunt responsibly hunt ethically go join the national deer alliance go join the qdma rocky mountain elk foundation wild sheep pheasants forever bass master shit i don't know go join a conservation group become active become educated and uh most importantly guys wear your damn safety harness